All right, since y'all sat down, I won't stand you back up, okay? <laughs> well, Scott says, let's stand up. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> next Sunday, we will we'll stay standing after our uh, prayer dedication. How about that? For the reading of the gospel. Well, this morning, we're going to be back in the gospel of Mark chapter 4. So if you will get your Bibles and turn over... Uh, to Mark 4. That's where we will be today. And we're going to be working through this text, so you may want to keep it open in front of you um, as we look at the text together. Let us pray. Lord God, we wish to see Jesus today. By your Spirit's power, give us eyes, Lord, to see his glory especially as the scriptures are read and proclaimed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took with him... They took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased and there was a dead calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, the Gospel of Mark was written to help clarify and always keep in front of us who is this man, Jesus? Who is this man? That's the question that everyone seems to be asking. And Mark confronts us with this reality that, that Jesus has come to embody the kingdom of God. In other words, with the coming of Jesus, God is bringing into our world and into our very lives the goodness, the evidence, the glory of that kingdom. This is what it means for Jesus to be the Christ, the Messiah, the, the King, the Davidic King that has come to embody God's kingdom. And when that kingdom comes into this world which is filled with, with darkness and evil, when Jesus comes bringing the kingdom, it confronts that evil and it forces it out. And Jesus brings the presence of God's kingdom 
and drives out the presence of evil, bringing freedom to captive sinners and healing brokenness in people's lives. So we begin to see very clearly that that the kingdom of God, the ministry of Jesus, is not about behavioral modification, but it's about transformation. And we keep seeing that all throughout this gospel. And so it's good for us to anchor ourselves in the gospels that present to us the real Jesus. Because if we're not careful, we can make Jesus out to be something less than he is. But hang on to that thought because we're going to come back to it in just a moment. Our story today comes in the context of Mark chapter 4. Chapter 4 of Mark finds Jesus teaching the crowds beside the sea. Now imagine, if you will, the scene. Jesus is teaching and he gets in a boat and sets out just a little distance from the shore and he uses the boat kind of like a pulpit, a stage. And he preaches back towards the bank and up the bank of the lake the people are sitting there. Perform- it, 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 it sort of uh, is a makeshift amphitheater. A natural amphitheater. The parables that Jesus teach in this story all deal with agricultural stuff. The stuff of people's everyday lives like soil and seeds. You see, Jesus has a knack for connecting spiritual truth to natural everyday things in our lives. And at the end of the day of teaching, Jesus is there in the boat, His disciples are in the boat with Him, and He says to them, let's go. Let's go on across to the other side. Now from the beginning of this passage, I'm drawn in. Because I want to know what's on the other side. Where are they going? Well, there's something you need to know about the geography of the Sea of Galilee. You see, on the western side of the lake where Jesus is in the beginning of this story are where all these little Jewish towns are. Fishing villages, places like Capernaum and and Bethsaida, which is more up towards the north side. But all along these villages is where the disciples are from. And up to this point, this is where Jesus has been spending the bulk of his time. This is where he's been hanging out. But on the other side of the lake was this pagan, Gentile area that was known as the Decapolis. Ten cities were located there. Now we're going to hear more about them next week because we're going to be in chapter 5. But I want you to think about this. The disciples have probably never been to that area their whole life. You see, they would have grown up with their mamas and daddies saying to them, stay away from that place, boys. It's a filthy, 
It's a filthy place that is a God-forsaken place. Whatever you do, don't go there. And now here's Jesus saying, come on, boys, let's go over to the other side. Let that sink in for a minute. Imagine how this passage immediately begins to heighten with a sense of anxiety for these disciples. We'll come back to that in a moment. What happens as they start to cross the sea? Well, look at what Mark says, verse 37. But soon, a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. So this windstorm breaks out all of a sudden while the disciples are out probably in the middle of the lake. Now the Sea of Galilee was known for these kinds of sudden storms because of its geography. You see, the Sea of Galilee is located nearly 700 feet below sea level. And up on that western side where those towns and villages where the disciples were from were like 1,500 feet above sea level. And so the cold air from those hills would oftentimes rush down and mix with the warm air caused by the sea. And through that displacement, warm and cold air, you know, we have that here in Mississippi. It's where we get our tornadoes from. That cold air causing the hot air to rise and the winds to swirl. Well, something similar to that is taking place. And because of this phenomenon, the Sea of Galilee is notorious for these kinds of sudden storms. Now, what makes this storm so scary are the waves that it produces. And those waves are what are crashing over into the boat. Now, when a boat starts to take on water, that's not a good thing. That is not good at all. It's a desperate situation. And panic starts to break out among the disciples. You know, I have found myself being trapped on lakes and rivers at critical moments. I had the sea do one time that was a fixer-upper project, and I had been tinkering on it, and I decided to go down to the Tenton Waterway, which we lived by, and I launched my sea do And I didn't have a cell phone with me. I didn't have anyone with me. And so it started right up, and I thought, oh boy, I'm going to have fun on this thing today. And I got on the throttle, and I headed up the waterway. Well, probably about a mile from the boat dock, it quit all of a sudden. And there I was, just floating in the middle of the river. Now, there happened to be a buoy close by, and so I latched on to this big red buoy that was floating in the waterway. You've probably seen them before. And I started praying. <laughs> I was like, oh God, please let me get out of this situation. I am stuck out here. There is nobody here. If you'll just let me get back to the dock, Lord, I promise I will learn my lesson. 
Now, I was wearing a pair of flip-flops. And I got the bright idea that maybe I could use them as a paddle. Uh, no match for the current of the river. Well, eventually it did start up by miracle, and I shot out like a rocket right back to that boat ramp, and I made it back. But there have been other times I've ran out of gas in the middle of Bay Springs Lake before in a ski boat. Uh, one time our family went up pontooning on Lake Cumberland in Kentucky, and a fierce thunderstorm came up upon us. Have you ever been in an aluminum pontoon boat in a thunderstorm? <laughs> Quite a scary situation. You know, I can tell you that the feeling in all of these situations is the very same. Utter helplessness and panic. Being caught on, a, on the water in the middle of a storm is the most helpless feeling that you can imagine. You quickly learn that without a motor, a sail, or a paddle, that you are at the mercy of the elements. And this is what the disciples find themselves in. The middle of a chaotic sea that they cannot control. And where's Jesus? What is he doing? Sleeping in the stern of the boat. Mark tells us, but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Teacher. That word gets my attention. You ever heard the saying, a case of mistaken identity? Yep. We had a youth pastor in Columbus who was once mistaken to be Luke Combs. Now some of you laugh, some of you may not know who he is. You can Google him. Luke Combs is a country music singer, and Stephen looks exactly like him. And he was mistaken for him one time, even to the point to where the person took pictures with him. And he didn't correct it. <laughs> Look him up on Instagram, Stephen Racine, and you will find that Luke Combs has a twin out there. A case of mistaken identity. Well, y'all, this keeps going on all throughout Mark. The crowds, they marvel at his authority and, they, and his power. They say, we've never seen anything like this man. And it reaches a critical point in the middle of chapter 3, right before what we just read. Jesus' own family think he's crazy. They call him a crazy man. And in the very next verses, the scribes and the Pharisees, they say he's demon-possessed. He's full of demons. That's how he's doing all of this stuff. And the disciples, well, they've just heard Jesus teach all of these wonderful parables and things there by the sea with the crowds, and he's explained everything to them one-on-one. -on -one. And so his teaching is blowing their minds. And so now they're call, they call him teacher. 
Who is he? Is he a crazy man? Is he demon-possessed? Or is he worthy of the Teacher of the Year Award? We keep asking. They are slow to comprehend who Jesus is. And it will happen all the way up to the end of this gospel. You know, the stranger thing is, is that in Mark, the demons know who he is. The evil spirits, they proclaim he's the Son of God. More about that next week. How slow are we to get it? We know that Jesus is so much more than an ethical or moral teacher. There's something about this man that draws us in. His presence is not like anyone that we have ever met before. We know there's something different about him. His words, they speak life to our very souls. His words speak to our deepest longings and to our fears. But we can lose sight of who he is. You know, I'm thinking these disciples, they turn to wake Jesus up, but they're the ones that need to wake up. They need to wake up and realize who is in this boat with them. Come on, guys. The one in your boat is more than a teacher. He is the Holy One of Israel. He is the Lord of creation. This is who He is. They say to they say to Jesus, don't you care that we are perishing? Jesus, don't you care about us? We wonder the same thing sometimes, don't we? Lord, do you notice? Do you see what's going on in my life? Lord, don't you care about my loved ones? See, we are a lot like these disciples. We are a lot like these crowds. And there's Jesus, asleep in the boat. Why is he asleep? Is he tired? Is he indifferent to this storm? We wonder in our storms, where's God? Where are you, Lord? I feel like I'm perishing. Lord, are you asleep? Are you aloof? Do you care? You know, I think the reason Jesus is asleep is because he wants his disciples to turn to him, to seek him, instead of relying only on themselves. Or giving in to their fears. How long might they have been bailing water out of the boat 
before they turned to Jesus? How long did they wrestle with the sails and the ropes like Rembrandt's painting in the calming of the sea where those disciples are on the front of the ship and they're, they're tugging and wrestling, trying to gain control of the boat? Did they fuss at each other? We threw the blame. You, the one that listened to him and brought us out here. Did they debate a plan of action? Did they get together and take a vote? <laughs> While the waters just kept piling up inside the boat. How long? We don't know. But the turning point in the story is when the disciples wake Jesus up. It's heading downhill up until that point. The boat is sinking. The ship is listing. What will Jesus do? We wonder. Jesus speaks to the storm. To the wind specifically and to the waves. He speaks. And you know what he speaks? Two words. Quiet. Still. And what happens? Sea of glass. Only God has authority over the elements of creation. Only God speaks and creation obeys. Psalm 89.9 says, You rule the raging sea. When its waves rise, you still Psalm 107, 28 through 30 says, They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad that the waters were quiet, and He brought them to their desired haven. Who is doing this? God Almighty, the Lord of creation. He speaks silence, stillness. Not only is Jesus speaking to the wind and to the sea, but in another way, He is also speaking to them. Peace. Still and know that I am God. You know, when we think about the unpredictable and the uncontrollable elements of life, 
Our world constantly throws at us things that we aren't ready for. And those moments bring the waters of chaos and anxiety and fear. Those things, they flood our souls, don't they? Like water filling a boat. I wonder if you might be in a place like that. Maybe there's a situation that's going on in your family. The winds of this world, they may be tossing and blowing one of your children around. Maybe their life looks a little off direction. Maybe they've lost their confidence. Maybe it feels like a storm for you. You know, that wind can represent all kinds of influences that attempt to push us off course in our lives. I think about those influences that try to push us away from being faithful to God and what He's spoken to us. Maybe the Lord has, has given you a word but yet there's all kinds of things that are challenging that message. Trying to get you out of a place of faithfulness. You see, there are forces working against us. There are obstacles that are trying to get us off course. You may be facing a situation that is causing you to experience all these different waves of emotion. The fear, the anxiety, the stress, the worry. These feelings might be related to uncertainty in your marriage, your financial situation. We experience a lot of different kinds of storms. You know, the elephant in the room, or the elephant in our boat, is this meeting that's coming up after church today. Let's just acknowledge it. This meeting is about the direction of our church. Where are we going? The storm in our denomination that's been brewing just feels overwhelming at times, doesn't it? We feel our little boat filling up with fear and anxiety. We feel panic. We feel like we're drowning. And we can certainly relate to those feelings, can't we? But we are all in this boat together in one way or another. And do not forget that we are all being shaken and we are all being tossed around. We are all being affected by this storm in some way. Our denomination is crossing over into a new place. It is unknown. But Jesus 
I believe, doesn't want us to be gripped by fear as we make our journey. Whether it's with the denomination or not, that's for us to decide. But if we turn to Jesus, we might just hear him speak peace and silence and stillness over us. He might quiet the turbulence, the unsettledness, and the uneasiness in us. I can tell you if we seek God in these moments, if we will trust the Lord with every inch of our lives and every inch of our church, there will come a time when He will speak His stillness and peace. He will confirm His presence with us. Even in our storm. I believe that the goodness of the kingdom of God will break in and settle us down in the calmness of his holy presence. Be still and know that I am God. Maybe you need to hear Jesus speak that to you this morning. Why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? Jesus is inviting us to trust him. Faith requires us to trust that he cares for us. And he is inviting us to seek his presence. Today our invitation is to find that place where we can seek Jesus. To seek Him. Maybe it's coming to the altar. Maybe it's bowing in prayer where you are. You can seek Jesus wherever you are, in whatever storm you're going through, and allow Him to speak stillness and peace in the midst of your waves and winds. So let us draw near and seek his presence. Would you join with me as we pray? Let's pray together this prayer of trust. Lord of creation, you are the keeper of our lives. You know the hardness and gentleness of every human heart. You call your people to put our faith and trust in your bountiful care. Through the storms of life that bring suffering and fear, joy and laughter, teach us to turn to you for all we need so that we may come to know your presence even in the midst of the trials that surround us.